Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, SEC Media Days, Hoover, Alabama, wrapping up day number three, and excited to have Joe Moorhead with us today for the College Football Fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Head coach of the Bulldogs, round two for you at SEC Media Days. How was today? It was fantastic. Yeah? Yep. It went a lot slower, if that makes sense, than year one. Instead of drinking out of a fire hose, uh, yes. it's like out of a cup was, of water. Just a, just a garden hose without a faucet on it. Uh, you, you look good. Thank you. You, you dropped a, a ton of weight intentionally. Yeah. You're really doing one meal a day. I joked earlier that you hadn't eaten in like four months. Feels like it sometimes. Yeah. You feel good, though? I feel great. Yeah. How do you have energy when you eat one meal a day? Make sure it's a good one. <laughs> do you give yourself a cheat day? No, nope. have, have you have not? Have you not done? Are you yeah. saving it up for a day? It's like you're, you're going, I, I, you said you're going back to Pittsburgh. You're going to go get a Pramani sandwich. Yeah, and, but it'll be dinner. So okay. like so like the Saturday nights Pirates and Phillies. So at that game at 7 p.m. I'm going to tear up a Pramani sandwich. Okay. Yeah. Do you know about Pramani's? That is the sandwich with the French fries and the coleslaw, coleslaw everything on top. I'm trying to get it on Italian bread. I'm trying to get a franchise franchise down here. I will go if you. It if will. You, it would. It would do. It would do great, Mr. If you make it happen. Absolutely. You'll see me there. Yeah. There's some in Florida. Yeah. It's not deep fried, though. Nope. No, no. You, you might could. Have to, you you have to, no, might have to fry it. If you could make a fried option of it, yeah. I would imagine. Battered and deep fried yes. sandwich. I'm in. Um, I think he had it. Okay, well, we were debating, but were you a baseball card collector growing yes, up? Yes, absolutely. You still have them? Start, yes. Started with 79. That was my first year. And then kind of went up to probably the 86 with the tops with the black. Yeah. Border on the top. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sorry. 87 was the wooden border. The wooden border. That was my last one. Yeah. 88 is when I fizzled out. So did you get entire sets? No. I think that's cheating. You so, can't go so card you can't one to card 792. Just go buy a box. In one thing. you got to buy wax packs and separate them 0 to 99, 100 to 101. It's not in great and condition. And you may end up with 10, like uh, whomever, Pete and Cavillius, but you you got to fight to get that one Barry Bonds. All right. What was your best I, card? What was your favorite card? My, two, two questions. My uh, – my best card was a Roberto Clemente. Ooh. It was a 67 or 68. Mm-hmm. I don't think I had the 50s one where it was sideways. And yeah. My favorite one was my 84 Dwight Gooden traded because uh, 85 was his rookie at the top. The top I, one. I think I had that 87 Bonds at the house. It's not yeah. in good shape. No, it's not. It's there. So 79 Royals? Yeah. Yep. Nailed it. Nice call. That was pretty good. Hey, well, it was a it was a sideways. sideways. So sideways. The seventy nine set was landscape with three players on it. That That's was really cool. that was a seventy nine. And you had who on it? Quisenberry. Quisenberry, Clint Hurdle, and then there was some third guy. His name was Ray something or other. I can't remember what it was. I bet this is the first time you've taught baseball cards today. Second time. Really? Mar- Ma- Marty McGee. Okay. There you go. Yep. There you go. Those guys are, are interesting. I, I was really fascinated with what you said at the uh, the podium today. I, I, in fact, I said earlier today on the show, we were playing back the uh, the clip where you were kind of talking about expectations in, in year one and some of the comments that you made. I thought it was as candid as I've ever heard a coach in, in, in this setting. So kind of, kind of walk us through for maybe the people that missed it earlier today uh, how you set it up when you came in and what maybe you would do different. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Reflection is, is a huge part of, of 
you know, improving as a program and pointing a finger, not a thumb, looking in the mirror, not out the window. And like I said, come off the plane for the press conference with guns blazing and asking about championship ring sizes and talking about Heisman trophies and really not understanding, and this is true, that people were talking about this team for a couple years leading up to it, so much so that there was a new coach there. But, you know, really creating a mindset publicly that anything short of a championship for our team was going to be a disappointment maybe to a certain faction of fans or a certain faction of people who covered the team and not not really being necessarily fair to our people because in a historical context, State has won 10 games twice in its history, has played for one championship in 98 and won one before World War II started. And, and I think as I look back on that, I wouldn't have changed what we want to do or what our goals or aspirations are, but maybe kept it in a setting where it was more of a team thing between the walls than it was for public consumption. So, so more of a... And, I mean, and go back at the end of the day, like I said in there, on this day last year, the AP poll, we were picked to finish 18th, and our college playoff ranking was 16th. Sure. We were picked to finish third. We were fourth, and if LSU beats A&M, we're third. And the over-under was eight and a half, and we won eight in the regular season, and we're like three plays away from getting to 10. So I don't think... The results weren't way off. It, it wasn't the off, but it was off of an expectation level from the outside that was exacerbated by me. Yeah. And I think if maybe I had quelled that a little bit, the eight state wins and an egg bowl win would have been like, hey, all right, this guy's doing what he needs to do. And I, and I don't think that the, the majority of the public perception was that we underachieved this year, but I, I think I may have inadvertently caused that to be the case. But but deep down, is that a peek into your personality? I mean, if that's what yeah, your I expectation mean, yeah, is? Yeah, and that's why I'm eating one meal. Anything worth doing is worth overdoing. And, and part of the reason of taking the job was elevating the program from good to great. And if I didn't come here talking about championships, then they picked the wrong guy. But also probably should have done a little bit more legwork into what our team was. you know, and, and quite frankly, how hard it's been for State to win 10 or win a championship here before I started you know, saying some of the things I said. And I, and I don't I don't say I regret it, but maybe would have gone about it a little bit differently. So you've taken some steps this year to try to get to a championship, and it sort of starts with you've been very aggressive in the transfer portal. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got three grad transfers. I don't think people realize there's a grad transfer punter on the roster. <laughs> uh, but then you also have Isaiah Zuber coming in and Tommy Stevens. We'll, we'll talk about Stevens, but that's the obvious one. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the punter. Yeah, I mean, he's going he's gonna to play. He's going to have a chance. Uh from a you know familiarity standpoint, you know, was it just a no-brainer once he entered the portals that I have to reach out to him and at least see if he's interested? Engages interest? Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think for a lot of reasons that, you know, offensively last year you look at our production and scored 50 against Arkansas, 35 against Ole Miss, high 20s against Auburn and A&M. I think over 40 in every non-conference game, if, if not 50. Mm -hmm. But then you have those four, which, like I said, are still – I beat myself up about it then. I beat myself up about it now. And, and as coaches, we don't remember the wins as much as we do the losses, particularly for a guy that's been known for his offense. And I think for us to ascend to the level that we want to as an offense and as a team, we need to pass the ball better. Uh, and, and when Tommy, going into year four, his knowledge in this offense for, for the skill set that he has as a passer and as a runner, just like when Isaiah became available and just like when Corliss became available, you know, I think it behooved me as the head coach and us as a coaching staff to, to, to bang the wheels and see where it went. If you feel great about your quarterback situation, because we talk all the time about the transfer portal, I mean, the, the, you do run a risk in bringing guys in, I suppose, 
that are that are older of upsetting team chemistry. Yeah. So if you felt great about your quarterback situation, you probably don't bring a grad transfer in. Is, is that reading too much into it? Yeah, I think it probably. When I say maybe reading a little bit much into it, is there's not a quarterback on our roster that's been a, a full year starter. You know, sure. KT started the bowl game in a different offense and started against Stephen F. Austin. Uh, and, and and I just think. From a, from a broad strokes perspective, when you can upgrade the talent level of the position, uh, you have to give yourself the opportunity. And I think KT had a very good spring. I think he took a bunch of positive strides. But like you mentioned, it was it was it more circumstance than it was need. And I think it was probably a combination of both. Did I say that right? That's kind of how you phrased yeah, it. I that's, think that's, that, that's, that's basically it. Yeah. Kylan Hill. How does his how does his role look different this year than it did a year ago? We all keep Kylan healthy. His weight's down. He's stronger. He's more mature. So I think his approach has been consistent. Uh, and I think part of the reason where you're going to see more uh, more carries go to the running back is because we're going to be able to pass the ball better. And last year when we weren't throwing it well, teams were crowding the box with eight defenders. And if you want to run the ball <laughs> and you're down a number, you have to use the quarterback in the run game. Historically, we had been a 10 to 15 carry a game for the quarterback in the system. Last year, it was obviously, I won't say through the roof, but it was in the 20s. I mean, Nick had 252 carries, if I'm not mistaken, in that range. Uh, uh, 221. Uh, and that was born from necessity, not, not necessarily desire, because you had to find a way to move the ball. And if we weren't doing it successfully in the air and people were crowding the box, you have to use the quarterback in the run game. You brought fraud here to, to media days, and you know you had us in there for that clinic uh, last week. And I saw some of what the tight end can do in this offense. How big a role is that position going to play for you guys this year? Huge. And part of our offseason, you know, self study was identifying who our play who our playmakers are and how we're going to be able to get them the ball. And you look back to Michael Gasicki at Penn State, and really, and they're not household names or local names, but the two tight ends at Fordham. You know, both were 50 catch guys or guys that got chances in the NFL. So that, that, that between Farad, Dante, and those young guys, I think that the tight end position could really, really make an impact this fall. What's your level of excitement going into the season? It never changes. Does it, every, every year feels like the first year. I mean, the, the football junkie, I, just give it to no, me, give it to me. <laughs> the fact that I get to coach a kid's game for a living and get compensated incredibly well for it, you know, if I ever complain about one thing for more than five minutes, someone should smack me in the back of the head. Because uh, for for a, for a kid who grew up in Pittsburgh and played all three sports and really lived, breathed, and ate, I mean, it's. I mean, every year is new. Every year is exciting. But all right, we know. got 20 seconds. Right. Rolling Stones in uh, New Orleans Monday night. How was that? It was an unbelievable experience, and not being a big rock and roll guy, to see him be on stage at 77 years old and go for two and a half hours straight, it's turned me into a fan. Is what it did. If the rest of us can perform like that at 77, we're doing something. Now, I hope I can make it to the bathroom by myself at 77, <laughs> let alone give a two and a half hour concert. Coach, great to see you. Sports Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.